The second reading for today is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 9, which is on page 902 of the New Bibles. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody or out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Um, This is the word of the Lord. Um, Over the last month or so, we have been asking our community, uh, if they were to ask God one question, what would that be? Through blackboards, uh, online and conversations, people have been uh, sharing many questions. We've had over a hundred questions come in. Uh, We've had the profound, like, where are you? We've had the personal of what happens to babies when they die? And the odd, like, is Sia in Beyonce's basement? Uh, all sorts of questions. We all sorts of questions. But uh, the question that kept coming up time and time again was the question we're going to look at this morning. And it's this. If God is all loving, why are so many Christians intolerant of people who are different? Now, as a Christian, my gut reaction to that is to you know, get a bit defensive. I don't know about you. So you sort of be a bit hurt by that. And so you can, temptation comes to deny it, to say, well, it's exaggeration. Uh, Well, look at those people over there. But I don't want to do that this morning. What I want to do with this question is to honor the anger, the hurt, the disillusionment behind this question. And say, if you're here and you've asked this question, or you're listening online, Know that I'm very thankful that you've asked this question. And what you're feeling is right. And what the question begs itself, if God is loving, why are Christians so intolerant of people who are different? Um, What I want to do this morning is really just do three simple things. Firstly, why is it that Christians should be loving to people who are different? Right? Look at that. And then secondly, we're going to look at why do Christians fail at it? And then thirdly, some practical steps forward. 
So before we do that, let's pray. Gracious Lord, we do thank you that we can come to you and ask all sorts of questions. But this question is one in which we can either get defensive, ignore, or blame others, Lord. But I pray that those of us who are Christians, that we would hear this question, hear the hurt behind it, and that we would not run. And I pray for those who are not, uh, not Christians here this morning, as they yeah, just battle with the hurt and the, the pain that Christians have caused, I pray that this 20 or so minutes will be a helpful time for them. Amen. Um, on Easter Monday, I went to Clifton Gardens. Now, in Mossman, near the beach. And uh, there, on public holidays, something unusual happens. It's uh, normally quite a quiet beach. But there, on public holidays, all different communities come out and they spend the day there. So I was there with my girls who were swimming. And I noticed the, this Korean family set up their barbecue. And uh, they were, you know, cooking. And, and not, not too far away from them was this sort of uh, Mossman older women, all wearing white with champagne and white wine. And, and they were hanging out, talking about their, cho- or their grandchildren. And then not too far from them was this uh, Lebanese Muslim family who had the barbecue going and the smells were great. And then not too far from them was this Samoan family who were trying to egg each other on to jump off the wharf. And as I was looking at all these different groups, right, I was thinking, I don't fit into any single one of them. You know, if I was to walk into their, their lunch, to their, to their get-together, I would feel out of my depth. And which got me thinking, why is it, as a Christian, I'm supposed to love people who are different from me? Why is it? I, I want to look at sort of three foundations, three reasons why Christians should love people who are vastly different from them. The first foundation we're going to look at is this. Everyone is important. Everyone, no matter what they are able or unable to do, no matter how old or young, no matter what they look like, who they are, or what they've done, everyone is important. Now you may think, well, that's a no-brainer, right? You know, you sort of, that's what the Declaration of Human Rights says, you know. It recognizes the inherent dignity of all members of the human family. But where Christianity is unique is understanding why everyone has dignity and value and worth. It's interesting, Jacques Maritain, who was one of the people who put together the Declaration of Human Rights, he says this, We agree about the rights, but on the conditions that no one asks us why. Interesting, isn't it? Why is everyone equal and important and valued? In the secular Western world, we have a hard time explaining why it is the case. But in the Bible, God says every single person is equal, valued, and important because he has given them the stamp of being an image bearer. In Genesis 1, verse 27, it's on the screen, says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What that is saying is that every single person is an image bearer. And nothing can take that away. Not power, not perversion. Even if the person ignores God, hates God, they're still an image bearer. 
Nothing can change the dignity and the value of someone. Because God has said they, all of us, are made in my image. So us who are Christian need to love everyone because they are made in the image of God. We need to see people the way God sees them. The second foundation we need to know is this. Everyone is a sinner. You might be thinking, that's not very tolerant. But hear me out, right? In Romans 3, verse 22, it says this. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, not only is everyone an image bearer of God, but all of us have failed to live up to it. We've all rejected God in different ways, and some of us have done it in more extreme ways. But at the end of the day, if you've missed the bus by three minutes, or you've missed the bus by three hours, you've missed the bus. And all of us are sinners. Now, why I think this is very humbling and promotes equality is this. My temptation is to point to people and say, I I think I'm actually better than you. You you know, I'm the good person, you're the bad person. I'm the educated one, you're the uneducated one. I'm the tolerant person, you're the bigot. I'm the pure person, you're the dirty person. I'm right, you're wrong. But when I see a verse like this, and I hear Jesus' diagnosis for humanity where everyone is a sinner, it stops me from going there. Uh, the Times paper, quite a few years ago, emailed, uh, sorry, wrote a letter to a number of people who are prominent authors and asked this question, what is wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton, who was a Christian, said this, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. See, if a Christian understands that they are a sinner, then it stops you from pointing the blame at others, saying they're the problem, and enables you to point the finger at yourself and say, I am. So that's the second foundation. The third foundation, and it's, it's tied to the second, is this. Everyone is undeserving of God's love. In the reading that Jason read out for us from Luke 19, we meet a man named Zacchaeus, right? And he was a chief tax collector, which means everyone hated him. When they said his name, they would have spat in disgust because he betrayed his own people. He was working for the Roman, uh, uh, Roman Empire, and they were just using him. So everyone hated this guy. And yet, what did Jesus say? Zacchaeus? And come into your house. A man which everyone would have spat upon when they said his name. Jesus, when he heard his name, showed compassion. A man where everyone would have walked away from Jesus walked to. And Zacchaeus, who everyone was intolerant of, Jesus said, I want to be with you. Now, at this point, there's a temptation. Right, Because we hear, we hear stories of Jesus showing amazing love to these kind of people. And there's a temptation for us to think, well, he really needed Jesus' love. I mean, look at him. He's a dirtbag. He's a scoundrel. He's a betrayer. But have a look what Romans 5 describes all Christians as. Romans 5 verse 10 says, For if while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. 
while we were God's enemies. That is the description of everyone who is a, who's a Christian. That we were at odds with God, and yet God chose to love us. That goes against the misconception, most people think, isn't it? Where God's looking down at heaven, looking at people saying, Oh, I want you. I mean, you're amazing. I mean, look at you. Heaven needs to be a better place because you need to get there. I mean, look at you. I mean, you are white. You are moral. You know what to do with an apostrophe. I mean, just come on up. I mean, that, that's sort of the idea, isn't it? But look, what does it say? We were enemies. That means we hurt. We attacked. We rebelled against God. And yet in that moment, that is when God said, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to love you. If you understand that you, you are undeserving of God's love, it liberates you from thinking you're better than other people, even someone like a Zacchaeus. So there's sort of three foundations of why Christians should love people who are different. But you're probably thinking, well, why is it that Christians fail at it? Now, an easy way out of this, as you might be thinking, is, well, the problem is Christians think they're right. You know, even James, the way you're going about this, you're presuming that Christians uh, have the truth and they sort of enforce it on others. If you sort of get rid of that, then all this would go away. But my problem with that kind of thinking, right, it is a bit naive. It's naive because it's not just Christians who put truth onto others. Everyone does this. Whether you're religious or whether you're secular, you put truth onto other people. I tell you, I mean, we do this in the secular West all the time. We just are blind to it, right? When it comes to other nations, you know, we say to African countries in this world, say, well, look, you have this fear of the spiritual and of witch doctors and that kind of thing. Just move on. It's not real. What we say to those in the Middle East, what you need is democracy. I mean, that is the true government form. Anything less than that is barbaric. Or we say to our Asian nations, say, look, you just are enslaved with your, this, uh, your ancestors and your family honor. Be who you want to be. Break free from it. We do it all the time. We're just unaware of it because we think this is the way it is. We do this on a personal level. As well, if you say marriage is between only two people, or that religion should be out of politics, or that all kids should be vaccinated, or that uh, gender is binary, or that uh, women should have equal representation in men in the workforce, whatever you say, you're forcing your truth onto other people. Now, you're not doing it maliciously. You believe it's good, and it's going to benefit humanity. But the thing is, you're doing it. Will you admit it is the question. And even at the end of the day, if you say, look, I just don't think there's right or wrong. I don't think we should. there's no truth. People do whatever they want. You're still doing it because you're still putting your moral relativism on other people and say, you should think like me. So the, prom- the way forward is not get rid of it. We're all going to do it, right? I think the tension resolves around what do you do when you meet someone who has a very different worldview to you. And this is where I think us Christians have failed. In Ephesians 4, it says, speak the truth in love. And those two words, in love, I think is where we fail. 
Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, it explains what this love is. Let me read it out to you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I know some of you are here today and you have not experienced that from Christians. That instead of a Christian being patient, they have been quick to judge and stereotype. Instead of being kind, they were cruel. They condemned you and bragged about themselves. They didn't listen to you. They judged incorrectly. Instead of saying, uh, instead of uh, denouncing evil things, they delighted in it. Instead of protecting you, they abandoned you. And can I just say from the bottom of my heart, I am so sorry that you've experienced this. I'm sorry for Christians who say they follow Christ and yet are not being like Christ. But I don't want to, for a minute, come across as the Christians out there and not in here. Because I myself have failed at this many times. Um, There's a person in my life who has a disability. And a number of years ago, I was not loving towards that person. I didn't do anything, and that was the problem. I found it awkward. I didn't talk to this person. I walked away from conversations, and I wasn't loving. And I'm thankful my dad noticed it and, and called me out and said, you're actually not treating this person as an image bearer. You think you're better than this person. And that was so helpful because it allowed me to acknowledge what I was doing and then seek forgiveness. And a question like this comes along our way, Church Brother Bridge. We need to acknowledge the times in which we have failed to love people who are different. We have caused more harm than good. Some of you might be thinking, well, look, if Christians fail to live up to the foundations of their faith, just throw it all out. But it's interesting, someone like Martin Luther King, right, who I think it was 50 years ago this week uh, was the assassination. Martin Luther King experienced Christians in his life who attacked him, who were racist towards him, who were intolerant of the color of his skin and the way he went about standing up for black Americans. In Birmingham jail, he wrote a letter to dear fellow clergymen to the Southern White Church in the U.S. And then in that letter, he he didn't say, you guys aren't Christians, or give up your faith, embrace secular worldview. He didn't say, you know what he said? You need to go deeper into your faith. If you're following Christ, then you need to be like Christ. You need to obey God. Seek justice, stand up for the voiceless. 
You need to go deeper into your faith because your faith is very superficial. And I know for me, and I know for you, that often, so those of us who are Christian, we forget the foundations, don't we? We forget what God says in his word. We forget that people are image bearers. You know, when someone comes along your way, who's the drug addict? Who's the homeless person? Who's the transgendered woman? Who's the politician? We forget they are image bearers, don't we? We forget that they're made in the image of God. We forget that everyone is a sinner, including myself. And it's not that we're going to not hurt people. We're going to hurt people. But because we know we're sinners, we want to be quick to say, I'm sorry. Quick to say sorry for the times we haven't listened. For the, even the times when our tone has been off. Something simple as that. And we have forgotten that everyone is undeserving of God's love. That God loved us when we were enemies. Now, Trip Lee, who's a Christian rapper, says this. The Christian example for love is not a high five. It's not a pat on the back. It's a bloody death. And Jesus did that for us when we were his enemies. The third thing I want to talk about is what are some practical ways forward? Right, for those of us who are Christian and those here who are not Christian. What are some practical ways forward? Um, to those of us who are Christian, there's two things I want to say. Firstly, one is awareness. It's very helpful to know who are the people, who are the different people in your life who you find hard to love. Now, that may be through bad experience. Maybe through, uh, you might not know anyone. Maybe they've heard you. Whatever it might be, who are the people who you find hard to love who are different? Let me ask you one or two questions to help you work it out. Which race or religion or political party do you roll your eyes at? Let me ask you this. If you had children, who would you be very reluctant for them to marry? And what group of people do you find yourself always complaining about? See, it's important to know who are the people who you find hard to love and acknowledge them. Not on Facebook, but just acknowledge them to yourself, right? And say, God, I actually want to see these people the way you see them, as image bearers, as important. Uh, that they are no better than me. They are no more deserving of God's love than me. So firstly, awareness. The second thing I'd say is to get off social media. Because the more you're on social media, the more intolerant it is going to make you. Particularly Facebook, Twitter, and emails and those kind of things. Because what it does is it dehumanizes. It disconnects people's thoughts and words from their bodies. You know the experience? Uh, there was a guy at uni who I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And he online was just vicious. Like, re- like just attacking people. And I said to a friend who caught up recently, like, what? What's he like? Has he changed it? No, exactly the same person. Just online, a very different person. You, you probably experience the same. It, it disconnects people. And because as Christians, we're body people, right? Jesus broke his body for our bodies to give us a new body. The body is a good thing. And when you're meeting with someone face to face, there you can listen well. You can understand that you can empathize. People who are completely different from you, different views, there you can pick up. Even body language, like, I realize what I just said 
it, sound, it seems like I've hurt you. You can pick up those things which you'll never be able to pick up online. Let me give you a beautiful example of this. As a guy at 9.45 here, a dean. And uh, last year during the postal survey, which is a very uh, tense time uh, in our country, Dean uh, began a conversation with a guy called Gavin. Now, Dean, Christian, uh, opposite sex attracted. Uh, Gavin, not a Christian, same sex attracted. And they began talking online about the postal survey. But then Dean said, look, I'd really like to talk to you face to face. Understand where you're coming from. Get to know you more so. And so Dean said yes, but then tried to, you know, get out of it. But, but eventually they met up. This is what Gavin said about that. I had a negative idea in my head of what a Christian was. And so I expected a sermon from Dean and from him, and from him to be aggressive, assertive about his beliefs. Instead... I found someone who was sensitive, caring, intelligent, and a good listener. All based on a solid Christian faith. He was completely different to any Christian I've ever met before. And so I'd stereotyped him unfairly and been intolerant of his differences as a Christian. This had a huge impact on me. It forced me to face the dire state of my own spiritual life and explore what it means to be a Christian with consequences which had been transformative for me personally. All because Dean wanted to catch up for a chat over a beer. Now, I'm not someone who cries often, but when I first read that, a tear came to my eye. Because that is what Christians should be like. That they spend time getting to know people, listening to people, with their Christian faith guiding them. It, I would love every person to have that experience, that I want to be like this. But I tell you, it is not going to happen online. Um, to those of you who are not a Christian, um, let me say two things. It is very easy to uh, dismiss Christians altogether. So you've been hurt by one or two and you just ride them all off. Um, and, and it's mainly also too because we live in a bit of a post-Christian era. Um, the Alison, who's an actress who goes to our 7 o'clock service, she was telling me uh, with method acting, which is the type of acting where you enter into people's shoes. You sort of you want to understand the terrorist or the, the child going through grief. So you kind of understand what their worldview is. He said, everyone does this in the acting world, except when it comes to evangelical Christians. There, it's fine to just stereotype and do a performance. And she says, it's interesting. Like, Why is that? I think partly it's a, we live in a post-Christian era, so you sort of, it's, it's more acceptable to do that. But it, that just doesn't happen in the acting world. It can happen in general life, where we just dismiss and stereotype Christians and write them all off. And I think media doesn't help here, right? Media will choose provocative, eye-catching kind of people. And if you base it all on that, you don't have much of a chance. It's like, so I grew up in Western Sydney, and every time they get someone from Western Sydney interviewed, it's this guy named Baza who's sort of got this mullet and his tight shirt and his gear guts hanging out, and he says, use every three seconds. And you're like, this is not a representation of Western Sydney. And the same with Christians, right? They'll find people who are just off oh, and just not a lot of love. 
not a lot of love. So don't base it on the media, right? The media can be very unhelpful. But I tell you my biggest fear. My biggest fear is because you've been hurt by a Christian that you'll reject Jesus. Um, if you have a look around at the people here in this room, most people in this room have been hurt by Christians. Some of them significantly and profoundly. Some of them have been hurt by other Christians because they're same-sex attracted, because they're single, because they're going through gender dysphoria, because they have mental health issues, suffering, they've experienced racism, prejudice, all sorts of things by other Christians. And you know what? I, I always ask one question after they've shared these things, and it happens all the time, right? I say, why, why are you still a Christian? Why are you still here? And they say, well, because of Jesus. Because Jesus loved me when I was at my worst. And he loved me when I was intolerant of him. And he died for me. And so I want to be amongst people that, though they don't deserve it, know they're loved by God. And I want to be here loving people. I'm going to end with a quote from a book which I found very helpful called Befriend. It's by Scott Sauls. It goes through all the different types of people in our world and how as a Christian you can love people practically. And he says this. God loved the world and he gave his son in order to seek and save the lost. To make a way for every type of person. Conservative and liberal. Affluent and bankrupt. Happy and depressed, with PhDs and with special needs, the approachable and the angry at the universe, to join the sacred communion of Father, Son, and Spirit. Oh, not as servants in his kingdom, but as heirs in his kingdom. Not as bastards, but as his beloved daughters and sons. Not as prostitutes, but as his bride, his cherished queen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we want to apologize for the times that we have and we will love people. Oh, sorry, when the times we have failed to love people who are different from us. We are sorry for the times when we have not listened, that we have presumed, that we have caused pain and hurt. And I ask, Lord, that we would understand, we would go deeper into our faith, deeper into your word. That everyone is important, that we are all sinners and that we are all undeserving of your love. And that that would drive us to love people. Love people at a cost. Love people when it's inconvenient. Who are vastly different from us. Because we were once your enemies, but oh, you made us your bride your cherished son and daughters. And to that we thank you. Amen.